Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And before I begin, would you join with me in just giving a great shout of thanks to this amazing worship team for leading us this morning? And I'd be remiss if I didn't say a special welcome to our students who had an incredible weekend. Did you enjoy your weekend on Renew Weekend? Awesome, awesome, awesome. I, I will tell you, so this isn't in the notes, but I will say, I'm always inspired by your faith. And those of us that are a little bit wiser in age, who have walked a little bit farther, we're inspired by your faith because you seem to do a much better job at what I'm going to talk about today than we do, which is having the faith to be able to trust when God speaks, to be able to take a step of faith to change your heart, to change your direction, to change your actions so you can grow closer with him. We as adults, we struggle with that at times because we get in habits, don't we adults? See, they're all liars. They're just, they just, you know, they're not telling the truth. They're just like, no. It's true. If you're visiting with us today, today's a very special day. It's a different day. Um, we do this periodically, um, but I love the fact that we chose today because if many of you who are followers of Jesus are used to three songs and a sermon and I'm out of here, um, today's a lot different, isn't it? And, and that's by design. It's by nature because we're going to talk today about what it means to truly make a move in order to become closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. All month long, we've been talking about the idea that we wanted 2023 to, to allow us the opportunity to grow closer to Jesus in our faith, to grow closer maybe to a spouse, to go cro- grow closer and put proper boundaries if you're a single adult with someone in a relationship, or maybe it's a sibling. But we've all said we want to take steps this year to be better. However, many of us, we get to the end of the year, we look back at our year, and we say, well, that didn't work. And the reason why and what we've been focused on is, is we don't really have anybody to blame but ourselves because it's true that all of us have the same amount of time and energy, and so if we were to make a move, if, if it's our move to be able to make, then what are we going to do, and how can we do it so at the end of the year we can fulfill the desires of our heart? And that's why I love this scripture. If you're not a Christian, you're still going to love this because there's a guy by the name of James, and theologians believe he was the half-brother of Jesus who wrote this. And James is going to write this to Jewish Christians that are scattered outside of Jerusalem, outside of Galilee, and churches all around. James writes this letter, and he's going to challenge them because he's been hearing reports from many different churches that they have kind of had one foot in one world and one foot in the other, that they're taking one step forward and two steps back. And so we're going to pick it up in James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, and I want you to follow along with me. James says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Hold it right there for me. I want to read that last phrase again. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Now, I love this, and you can go to sleep for the next five minutes after I'm done because this is the crux of the message. Students, listen to this. It's amazing because what James says is, look, are you bickering with one another? Do you have a problem with somebody? How many of us have a problem with so many students and we sit there and we think of them, we get angry at them, do you believe what she did to me? Will you believe what she said about me? I'm gonna get her, I'm gonna text this person, I'm gonna do this, 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 and this. And we get so focused. And what James says is, is that when we do that, we're focused in the wrong direction. Because James says, doesn't it really begin right here? 
You want different. You don't want to quarrel. You want peace. But what are you doing about it? I leave it to our marriages. How many in this room who are married, you want a better marriage? Now, I love asking that question because some of you are like, no, Pookie, our marriage is perfect. (laughs) When the truth is, some of you are like, well, wait a minute, don't we want to be better? Well, yeah, I think I'm confused now. He pastor tricked us. You're right. Every hand should go up if you're married in this room. We want a better marriage. Every day we want to be better at what we do. And now if you didn't raise your hand and you said, no, we have a perfect marriage, that means you don't want to get better. Now you're in trouble. But the truth is we all want to be better. But what James is saying is, is if you want to be better, it starts right here. What are you doing about it? One of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor is I counsel a lot of couples And when a couple comes in, typically they wait till the last minute they're in crisis. And when they come and sit on a couch, they sit in front of me and they unpack a lot of mess. By the way, every marriage has mess, every relationship has mess. So I'm not surprised. And they sit there and they unpack their mess thinking I'm gonna be shocked and surprised. And I look at them and I go, no, I'm not surprised. And then I look at them and say, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna open up God's word. We're gonna talk about some principles that I think you need to add into your relationship. And then what I want you to do this week is to add this principle. And let's get to the end of the week and let's see if you add this principle, let's see if your relationship gets better, okay? Yes, yes, yes. One week later, they come in, they sit on the couch, and I look at them and say, how are things? Terrible. Usually I know it's terrible because it's a dead giveaway. I have a big couch in my office. They usually are sitting at opposite ends. I know things are bad. And I go, well, what happened? And they're like, it was terrible. He's a jerk, she's a jerk, this and that. I go, well, did you do what I asked you to do? No. And that's what James is saying. It's like, look, we want something different. We want better marriages. We want better relationships with God. But the question is, are we willing to make a move in order to make that happen? We kind of sit back and go, God, fix her. And God looks down at you and goes, she's not the problem. And that's what we do. So James says it starts here. Now watch what he says this. This is where it gets serious. He goes, you desire but do not have, so you kill You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. What James says is, look, you want all these things, but you're not willing to do what is necessary in order to have what you want. Let me illustrate this another way. This is where we get a little bit of fun. Pastor David, can you hand that to me? Thank you. When I was younger in age, I was a player of baseball, I coached baseball, and there's a lot of life lessons I learned through baseball. And those of you thinking, oh, here he goes again, another baseball illustration, yes, you're right and tough, you deal with it, okay? And so what I did is, is I love it because in order to field a ground ball, it looks something like this. So if you can roll it to me, please. And you'd sit there and you field a ground ball like that. What, no applause, no nothing? I mean, I'm old, okay? I'm getting old. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, 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 really, no, 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 really, no, thank you, thank you, no. But the point is, is that if you were to field a ground ball, that's how it should look. Now, I loved coaching five-year-olds, and sometimes I would do a camp, and I would have little four- and five-year-olds, and they were so dang cute. And so what happens is the first time that they, they throw a ball at someone and they get hit with it, they're like, ow, and they realize these things hurt. And so right after they get hurt a little bit, then they're like, okay, I gotta be careful. And so watch what happens. When, when they start to feel the ground ball, it's hilarious to watch how they approach it. So David, if you can help me out. If, throw me a ground ball. This is what they look like. And they do that. They don't wanna get near it. They put the glove down as far away from their body as they can, and they just kinda try, hope to knock it down and hope they catch it. It's because they're afraid of it. 
And now I will tell you this, if they move from five to 15 and they still look like that, they're not playing baseball. They're not gonna make a team. And so they have to change, don't miss this. They have to change. They have to go against what they feel. I'm scared of this. I don't want anything part of it. I don't want to be near it. And they have to go against their emotions and their feelings, and they have to make a change in order to have success. So here's what I love to do. They're all scared to death. They're using their glove to knock it down, and here's what I tell them. Drop your gloves. And they all drop their gloves. And I say, I'm going to throw you some ground balls. Panic ensues with a bunch of five-year-olds. You're going to do what? Child abuse. It's like, no. But watch what happens. When I do that, I tell them, Go ahead, you can only use your hand, but you can use your other hand too. And so the ball is rolled nice and slow, and they get in position, and they take their other hand and they put it on top. It forces them to have to do the right mechanics in order to catch the ball. And then when they get their glove on, then they grow and they become better players. Here's the point. There's some of us that are married, some of us that have relationships with someone else, And we're approaching those relationships like this. We're refusing to do the work in order to have a better marriage, in order to have a better relationship with God, in order to take the steps against our feelings to be able to grow in our spiritual relationship. We want it, but we don't want to do what's necessary to gain it. And what James says, lean in here for a second, is when we sit there and we approach our relationships like this, then he says there's no hope for that. You kill, you kill every honest motive. You kill every chance for a better life. You kill marriages, you kill respect, you kill hope. Terry, when you approach your marriage like that, you have no shot. Now the sad thing is, is that in this room, watching online in the balcony, there are some marriages that are struggling, and we know it. And we pretend because we just keep doing the same thing, hoping it's going to get better. And if that's you, then you're falling into that trap. And here's what James says. It's transactional. It's a transactional marriage, but not only that. James was talking to us as believers and saying, if you're transactional about that, you're transactional about your religion as well. Students, what I love is you've been learning about what it means to be brave in your faith all weekend long. And it really combats the idea of being transactional. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And you have one foot in one way where you say you're a Christian, and then the other foot, you do whatever you want. And being brave means to go against your natural feelings, going against what your friends say, and to be able to say, no, I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm going to trust, and I'm going to grow, and I'm going to feel the ground ball, and I'm going to be able to do that because I want to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to change. James says this, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. He follows up and says, look, if your heart's not in it, then it's not going to work. James was talking to a group of Christians, and he was saying, look, you're worshiping me, you're worshiping Jesus out of one hand, and then you're worshiping idols with the other. He wraps up and he says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And if you don't know this, if you're not a Christian, what does it mean to ask God? It means to pause. It means to say, I'm not the smartest. It means, God, you know more than me. It means, God, teach me. I listened to a podcast this week, and on this podcast, it was great because the person said, do you have any 
core die on a hill beliefs that you will never, ever move off of. And I begin to think to myself, yes, there are some core beliefs that I will never, ever, ever move off of. And I think as Christians, some of us, we go, yes. But she tricked me because she said this. How do you know if they're really a core belief? Do you have the faith to place everything before God and be open to possibly being wrong? And I remember I wrestled with that. And here's the question that I asked myself. In my marriage, in my friendships, in my relationship with Jesus, are there any places where I'm not listening because I think I'm right? And here's the problem. When we get to that place and we're not willing to open our hands and our hearts to say, Jesus, search me. And if I'm wrong on this, I'm willing to learn. That's when we become prideful, stubborn. That's when we really kill the hope and the desires and the dreams we have. In other words, James is saying, we need to live lives with heartfelt humility. So I'm done, but I want to ask you three questions, all right? Because if you're going to make a move and you're going to grow in your relationship with Christ, there are three things I want to ask you. Number one, are you willing to give time? Are you willing to give time to make a change in your life? Because many of us, we want it, but we're not willing to allocate the time necessary to achieve it. Here's the second question. Are you willing to break a habit? Because some of us in this room are in bondage to a habit. And we're willing to give Jesus everything, but we're not willing to break a habit because we like it or because it's too hard. And there's a third one. Are you willing to be wrong? Are you willing to be wrong? I think it takes such great faith in this room to live a life every day where you say, you know what, to my spouse, to my friend, I think I'm right. But the truth is, I might be wrong. If you approach life in that matter, I think I'm right, but you know what? I may be wrong. Maybe that's what James was getting at. Maybe James knew if we approach our spiritual relationship and our personal relationships with a heart of humility that says, I could be wrong, then maybe we might begin to grow. Maybe God can change us inside and out. I close with a poem. Carol Wimmer, in 1988, she wrote a, a poem about what it means to be a Christian. And I love it. And it says this. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not shouting, I've been saved. I'm whispering, I get lost. That's why I choose this way. When I say I'm a Christian, I don't speak with human pride. I'm confessing that I stumble needing God to be my guide. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not trying to be strong. I'm professing that I'm weak and I pray for strength to carry on. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not bragging of success. I'm admitting that I failed and I can never pay my debt. When I say I'm a Christian, I don't think I know it all. I submit to my confusion, asking humbly to be taught. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not claiming to be perfect. My flaws are far too visible, but God believes I'm worth it. When I say I'm a Christian, I still feel the sting of pain. I have my share of heartache, which is why I seek his name. And when I say I'm a Christian, I do not wish to judge. I have no authority. I only know that I'm loved. Do you know that you're a Christian today? And if you do, you know the source of wisdom. You know the way to better relationships. Ask God. Listen. 
and then have the courage, the strength, and the bravery, that's a word, bravery, to do what's necessary so that he will be glorified in and through your life. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this short time, God, today of what it means to have a heart of humility. God, I pray for the relationships in this room, whether it be single adults, whether it be married couples, whether it be students, God, I pray for their hearts. And God, I lift up my own. And God, we say together, God, search me. God, if there is something in my heart that is not right, God, may I have the courage to be able to lift it up to you, to admit that I'm wrong, and to be able to take a step of faith. And Lord, because of that, I know that 2023 will be a better year because I will grow. So God, no matter how difficult it is, may I have the courage and the fortitude to do what's right. We love you and bless you. In your precious name we pray. God bless.